welcome. Welcome, 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 everybody. Hey, hey. This is Drinking in Community. Mm-hmm. It's a podcast where we go episode by episode through the TV show community while enjoying a few adult beverages along the way. Yep. I'm joined tonight by my beautiful wife, the brewmaster, Ashley Kennard Short. And I am joined by my wonderful husband, Jared Short. Tonight, we are talking about Season 2, Episode Number 15, Early 21st Century Romanticism. Mm. I think it's the longest title we've had so far. Oh, yeah. It's pretty long. If you can hear snoring in the background or heavy breathing, I'm not going to take credit for it. I will, again, refer you to the three slumbering dogs that are surrounding us. Extra snoozing and sawing logs yeah, tonight. We threw pillows over all their heads, which they all left on, yeah, but still snoring pretty loud. So this episode originally aired on February 10th, 2011. It was directed by Steven Sprung, who I don't believe... We... Yeah, I think they said this was his first one, so you're correct. It was also written by Carrie Dornetto, who we've seen a couple times before. Dina Samatopoulos and Dan get credits as well, and Andrew Guest, for some reason, also gets hmm. credit, but it doesn't say in what capacity. I will quickly read NBC Publicity's synopsis on this one. Trey and Abed compete for attentions, for the attentions of the college librarian, while Britta strives to be progressive and befriends a fellow female student whom she believes is gay. Meanwhile, Jeff finds himself reluctantly hosting an impromptu party at his apartment when Professor Duncan invites himself over to watch a soccer match. Okay. Yeah, I think it covers it. I think there's like four storylines in this one. It's a a lot lot of people are kind of doing their own thing. There's a lot going on. Yeah. Uh, That's pretty much all I have. Ashley, what are we drinking tonight? So we're drinking, 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 Ashley's Ashley's Drink Corner, and I can feel it rolling right on down, or right on down my throat, and then... This evening, we are drinking the Dewey Decimal System cocktail, which is inspired by Troy and Abed's storyline in there. I don't want to limit you. If you want to call it the Doomy Decimal System, <laughs> why don't you just go for it? We have them recorded both ways. Okay. We, can, we can select which one works best, and... This is a fun little cocktail that just happened to exist, and so I did very little creativity of my own. Um, Yeah, it is two ounces of rye whiskey. We used bullet rye. Three quarters of an ounce of sherry. Uh, Specifically, Lustau East India sherry, if you want to get specific about it, but I think you can play around a little. Half an ounce of Aperol, two dashes of Angostura bitters, and you shake that all up on ice, pour it into a um, an, an up glass or neat, something like a if you did like a Manhattan up instead of on the rocks. And then you garnish it with an orange twist. We're drinking ours on the rocks because it's kind of hot out today and it just sounded a little more refreshing that way. And that way you guys can hear us drink them. Yeah. Should we get on into the episode? Let's do it. All right, season two, episode 15, early 21st century romanticism. So it starts off with Troy and Abed, and they're clearly already in love with this librarian we see in the background in the library attached to the study room. 
Jeff walks in and is no help to their situation because both Troy and Abed are in love with her and they don't know how to resolve the issue. Uh, Pierce, Annie, and Shirley enter. I think my favorite is because Pierce is talking about hating love and something, so that oh, makes yeah. Jeff immediately retract yep. his, just kidding, I'm in. Yeah. He, he realizes he doesn't want to turn into Pierce. I think he realizes that about once every other episode. At least, yeah. Definitely. Britta enters. Uh, she leaves her cute friend in the hallway, and she immediately, non-surreptitiously, or just like very quickly points out She's a lesbian, her friend is, and she's super cool with it. They all take a minute to like stare at Pierce, who has no reaction. <laughs> and then Britta actually calls him out for his lack of reaction. He says, I have nothing off the cuff. But he has a prepared statement. <laughs> <laughs> that is pages and pages. So he pulls it out, and before he actually starts reading, we get the full open. I think that's the... Absolute funniest way to yeah. approach that that little joke was. I think so too. We don't need to hear it. Just simply stating it exists. It's After the open is done with, it's as if, well, it's pierces at the end of his speech, and ends it really disgustingly with bon appetit. <laughs> and uh, Donald Glover was talking in the commentary that this was actually all written out. And actually was really um, supportive. So sub- very supportive, and I'd love to find a copy of that somewhere. And did actually end in good luck and bon appetit. Yeah. Like yep. so, he actually read the last line as it was written. So yeah, so more more props to the props department. And... <laughs> props to the props department. Feel and good about that. I do. I, I almost want a, a sound drop for that now. I, that wouldn't props be props for props. Thing. Um, but yeah, so Donald Glover said he, I mean, they spend so many hours shooting, I'm sure. So he said he read it front to back and it was 100% hilarious and amazing. So not just a bunch of scribbled on pieces of paper. We find out here that Pierce is actually taking painkillers. First, he's kind of trying to hide it, but he just ends up just straight up taking them in front of everybody. No, no self-control. Being a smart ass about it. Uh, Annie does a little intervention, intervention question to everybody at the table. And then we get the bare naked ladies conversation that has come up so many times in my talk around the show. Just the, this really funny conversation. Jeff is not into the bare naked ladies, but apparently everybody else around the table is. And just randomly throwing out. Yeah, their, just knows a ton of facts. Their award listings and knows their platinum and they have two Billboard awards. Just, just to lay it out there, I'm on Jeff's side. Just for the record. I don't. Why do you gotta? We don't take stands on this podcast. I'm not well, taking a stand on this podcast. I'm taking a stand on Bernie. I'm ladies. saying on this podcast. We don't get political, and you're trying to right now. So <laughs> Jeff uses his disagreement with uh, the rest of the group to kind of start a fight, and everybody else is pretty much okay with it. He storms out by saying, we're in a fight. This is a fight. <laughs> <laughs> Immediately, he meets up with Professor Duncan in the hallway, 
who is like, I heard you're in a fight with your study group, which I think is pretty funny. Is it? Yeah, I feel like there's just like quite a crowd of people who just have ears on the study group at all times. Do you think that's what it waiting is? Waiting for somebody to split off, especially Jeff. Or do you think if Duncan just sees Jeff, he's like, I'm pretty sure he's probably fighting with the study group. I can go talk yeah, to him right he's now. Not, he's not connected at the hip with them all right at this moment, so something's got to be up. Professor Duncan tries to surreptitiously approach the fact that he wants to watch soccer, but Jeff kind of just says, yeah, I'm a hipster. I'm into soccer. Yeah. So we. So the next thing we get is Pierce being... <laughs> I'm really funny. In my notes, I put Pierce is being a little Andy Dick <laughs> about the situation. So he's being crazy and and kind of being a dick right now to everybody. And then he has some hallucinations where he does actually see Andy Dick and talk to him. A tiny Andy Dick. Uh, there's a lot of good supporting or guest stars in this episode. Yeah, there's... One of the things that like director's commentary folks said about just the kind of the rapport that Chevy and Andy Dick have together like how much charisma or that's what I'm looking for but chemistry chemistry they're talking about the... <laughs> I said biology I knew, <laughs> I knew it was a science <laughs> uh, they were saying like the chemistry between Chevy Chase and Andy Dick is really awesome except that None of the scenes they ever filmed were actually together, so it's so hilarious that how well it worked together. So Andy Dick came on Harmontown a couple different times and actually kind of called Dan out because he was a little annoyed that he didn't get to really be a guest star on the show. He had to go sit in a sound booth with nobody from the Aww. entire show there. <laughs> it's like, here, go read these lines and like... Stand on this green screen. <laughs> and he's like, Dan, I would have liked to have seen you when I was a guest star on your show. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah, it was pretty funny. I actually found I didn't hate Andy Dick when I saw him in real life. Also, he's sober now, so that's uh, probably yeah. a big part of it. Yeah. The next scene that we have is Troy and Abed uh, going up to the librarian and co-asking her out. And actually, it turns into a co-date situation where they're both going to be dating her. And then she gets to pick who she likes better at the upcoming Valentine's dance. Yeah, I mean, this is the best case scenario, right? Is it? It's better than, I don't know, two separate dates and then figure it out. One time, <laughs> me and my buddy were at the bar and we had not discussed this. But the bartender was wearing a Boondock Saints shirt. No. Oh. And she, we ordered a shot or a drink, and she was pouring it. And at the same time, like we rehearsed it, we said, I like your shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and just the complete, I don't give a shit look over that came over her face. Cool. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> like, ugh. Never wearing this shirt again. Yeah. You're the 97th dudes to... Also, <laughs> I'm never going to sit next to you at a bar again because how do we pull it off <laughs> so they go on a co-date now they agree to go on a co-date and they have briefcase tacos <laughs> this is the first of several things i just had to comment on in the episode that 
was immediately addressed in the oh like, yeah. I, you I, did I kept do asking that. him questions, Jared questions, and then and then he was like, "Give it a second. <laughs> yeah, like, Everything I had a question for was immediately resolved. Just put a small filter on it. <laughs> You'll yeah, literally answer. Let it play out. Annie and Britta talk about homosexuality, and Britta is high roading the Ugh. f out of Annie. I'm not. It's so gross. She, she she's, she's getting really... she's getting being an ally to the LGBTQ plus community wrong. She's like, doing it wrong. <laughs> she's and, this isn't a I good mean, good like Britta being the worst. This is an excellent example by by her trying so hard. She's actually being the worst. So it's it I comes think from trying very hard is okay. Talking about how amazing you are at it is part yeah. of the what issue makes right the worst, yeah yeah it's exactly what makes her the worst um and then we also find out basically a second later from another actor that neither of them are actually gay they think the other one is but it's also very funny that nobody tells them it's kind of awesome because yeah annie is clearly a I feel like you would think of her as the friend who would like go and tell you right away, except that she meets like the app, the other Annie. Yeah. <laughs> of, of the oh, other yeah. straight white, pretty blonde girl. Yeah, but it's so it's funny that it's like Annie kind of makes a new friend in this whole thing, and they they both kind of are secretly enjoying it. They're trying to do a good thing, and they're clearly both doing it wrong. So yes. I think they're enjoying the the missteps of it together. But this is. Also, where they agree to go to the dance together, and they think they're each the straight girl going yeah. to the dance with the lesbian. Which is so much more fun. So Winger and Professor Duncan are hanging out at his apartment watching soccer. Which, um, a fun thing to point out is if they're watching soccer at about six o'clock, it's midnight in the uk oh interesting so I didn't think of that. is there a soccer match going at midnight in the uk or do they like play it at a better time the next day in america they might or? just it might be on like tape delay or something yeah. but yeah it's like come logic that's okay yep totally okay just funny to point out chang shows up immediately for no reason breaks a lamp with a nunchuck <laughs> Never like, really explained, except he wanted to show them something cool. And in the director's commentary, they said that that was Joel McHale's like favorite thing ever, and possibly the entirety of the community tape. Well, up to up through season two. Have you watched the body language between Chang and Jeff at the door? It's so great because Jeff is such a monster of a human being and Chang is so, <laughs> so small, small and he wants to come inside so bad <laughs> and Jeff is just physically not letting him and it's pretty hilarious. And, oh, so Ken Jong was one of the, the people who was there for the, um, the, in the commentary yeah. and um, Gillian Jacobs also was and she just kept saying, making fun of how small his hands are. <laughs> <laughs> and he just, he's like, yeah, he's like, I don't. I never know what to do with my hands. Thank God they're they're like mostly never in the shot. But and then so that just makes you want to watch his hands more often. Yeah, for it, sure. It's pretty funny. He doesn't know what to do with his hands. So we got to the dance. The dance is happening. Uh, the first thing we see is the three person date, and they're both kind of explaining why 
or the pros that you get with each of them. The non-lesbian lesbian couple show up, <laughs> and they just immediately think everybody is focusing on them, and it's clear by all the extras and other people's nobody's focusing or paying Nobody any attention cares. to them. We cut back to Winger's apartment where Chang has invited everybody over for a party. This is where we are introduced to Magnitude, Magnitude for the first time. Pop, pop. Pop, pop. This is actually played by Luke Youngblood of Harry Potter fame. Ooh. He played Lee Jordan in all the movies. I think that's the most profound Harry Potter and community crossover we'll get. Huh. But we see Magnitude a lot. He's a really one-noted but pretty funny character. Heck yeah. One-man party. Uh, we cut back to the dance where the librarian ends up choosing Troy. And I just love how immediately uncomfortable Troy is when she chooses him. He's so... Because he in his... He loves Abed so much that he cannot understand how somebody wouldn't choose Abed. He's so turned off by it. That's so adorable. <laughs> At the same dance, we cut to Pierce, who I put is just gorked out. Just <laughs> really high at this point. On his drugs, talking to his Andy Dick. He's like dancing with him. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't notice till the second time around that he's actually like dancing at the table as though he's dancing with a human being it's awesome not the human being another person he realizes that brit is dancing with a girl and he just yells lesbians here's some more sitcom logic because he yells lesbians they convince themselves that they need to kiss each other so they're okay with it i think like they both turned around and and said the same thing at the same time to him like yep and so, like, I don't know if that was a, like, oh, we feel the same way. I don't know. I think. Yeah, I think you're, you're right. Like, it, it it somehow connects it, them. It doesn't and... make a lot of sense. I, I, I don't know. But anyways, this is the first time that um, Gillian Jacobs has ever. This is the first time that Gillian Jacobs has ever kissed another girl. Oh, yeah. Said. In real life. In real. Yeah. That's fun. That was a, a fun little story. And, yeah. but, but, also, but also, I like that. In telling that story, something else happened, and the rest of the the crew and the and the director's commentary started talking about something else. And she's like, "Guys, no big deal. That wasn't like a big story for me or anything. Like <laughs> oh, yeah. a major monumental point well, in my life. Was, it's she, a like very Britta esque yeah. kind of like cut off her story." She was really talking about how she almost busted her lip because <laughs> she's not used to kissing other girl faces. She's used to kissing bigger. Stronger man faces, Big, I tough, guess. scratchy man yeah. face. So Troy actually starts dancing with the librarian. And he starts questioning her about why she didn't pick Abed. And just immediately goes bad. As soon as she starts saying anything negative about Abed. And we go into the hallway where Troy is... I hate her, I hate her, I hate her. So upset. And, uh, yeah... Didn't work out. No love connection there. We go back to the party at Winger's. Jeff seems to be having a good time, but he clearly misses the group. So I forgot to mention that when they were kissing, they 
both quickly realized that neither of them had done this before. They both said that. Yeah, they both get found out. By each other. So when we go back to the dance and they're sitting there pointedly not looking at each other and really angry with each other and realize the only reason they were hanging out with each other is because they thought it was cool because it was a, a, a gay person they were hanging out with. Yeah. <laughs> no other reason. I kind of wish there's a, like a little bit more resolution to that concept because it's like, it's cool to be, I, I get both of their reasoning behind it. I totally get it. I try harder to be gay people's friends. I know I do. Uh, so we go back to Winger's apartment and we kind of start seeing shades of how <laughs> Chang is really making himself at home, wearing Jeff's underwear, doing his laundry in Jeff's washing machine. If we had a fashion corner anymore, I'd point out that Jeff has Burberry. Yeah. Boxer shorts. <laughs> I think we've seen them before, actually, during the trampoline. Oh, the yeah. socks matches. No. I feel like I, he always seems to be wearing yeah. boxer briefs more so than That's true. straight up boxers. Anyways, enough about Jeff's underwear. <laughs> so I put his, his Chang moving in and then basically the next scene we get is no, he is not. He's kicked out into the hallway. Mm-hmm. And then after this, Winger kicks everybody out. Except for Duncan, I guess. And He's helping clean up, man. Yeah, Duncan's kind of helping clean up, just He's drinking wounded soldiers and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> throwing a few things into a bag. Uh, kind of drops a little bit of drunk knowledge or like drunken wisdom onto Jeff. Uh, and Jeff is like, well, check out all the messages I got from my overbearing study group. And he got zero because they were all off doing their own thing. Oh, I thought we should count the storylines. Uh, after the fight, we have Jeff's in his apartment storyline. We have Pierce is doing drugs storyline, talking to Andy <laughs> Dick, the fake lesbian storyline, yep. and then Troy and Abed. Troy and Abed and the librarian. So it also like there's just like no Shirley. She's yeah, in the Shirley beginning, is and then she's almost not in this episode at all. Oh, she didn't want to bring Andre to the dance. Oh, that's sad. Jeff goes to throw some garbage away and ends up apparently throwing it on Chang down a garbage (laughs) chute. Although we don't see it, so I don't really believe Chang was down that garbage chute. I don't know, the director said so. Yeah, well, he's a (laughs) freaking liar. And he ends up carrying Chang inside like a baby. Which is just funny to see those opposite human beings and how well they get along in real life and hang out and have a podcast and... Just very funny. They're like best friends now. And we kind of finished the episode how I'm a real sucker for voiceover. Yeah? Anytime I, like, especially to finish an episode, uh, the TV show Californication and The X-Files a number of times. Oh, yeah. Like, the first two episodes of Californication and a number of time in The X-Files... Uh, they did a David Duchovny voiceover to end the episode, and it was just like, I mean, made me give me gave me goosebumps, made me almost cry, and so I guess maybe it's just like a strong male voice telling me the lessons that he learned at the end of uh, an episode of TV just like does it for me. So hearing Jeff just talk about how much he actually loves the study group 
and how he kind of created this fight because he's worried about letting people in. I don't know. I really, I really love that, and I think it was a great part of the episode. That's funny because I had the opposite reaction. I actually wrote down voiceover. Are they making fun of something? <laughs> because really. I, I'm also maybe think, I feel I like they're making like, fun of my feelings. Because... No, like I think of like Scrubs, where every oh, episode. Yeah. I, tries to have this huge like lesson and this whole thing but you can either like hate scrubs or love scrubs for that though yeah I'm, and i'm not knocking it it's just some they never do that in community so i thought that was interesting but now that you mentioned yeah like a david duchovny voiceover at, at the end like all right I, you you brought it up that it's not necessarily it doesn't have to be making fun of something it can no. be extremely effective in it and it was great it was very it was touching it was nice it was him expressing his love for the group which was he doesn't do very often in kind of the last part of that voiceover he's telling pierce to let the group into his heart but pierce is passed out on a bench and the funny joke in the commentary was it wasn't <laughs> actually pierce passed out on the bench it's just they found chevy chase quick get the get, get the, the crane. crane so we can do the crane shot <laughs> There is a lot of good yeah. Chevy Chase digs in this one. Yeah, there's quite a few. The final wrap-up scene we get is Abed with the blindfold on, guessing the candy heart <laughs> words just by taste. And then I think Ashley's favorite part is he was spitting them out like so he's a connoisseur. <laughs> but not, not just... First it was that he was spitting them out like a wine tasting, <laughs> but just the like... Like the act of spitting, he was like spitting them in different directions yeah. every time. That's great. Uh, but we find out he was cheating. <laughs> no, email me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, and that's how the episode ends. So normally I would have something for deep dive, but I didn't have anything special. So I'm gonna pass it off to Jared for the deep dive this time around. So, my information comes from Wikipedia. Give Wikipedia some money. They're just kind of the best <laughs> encyclopedia. There are over 800 species of hermit crabs, most of which possess an asymmetric abdomen concealed in a scavenged mollusk shell. Uh, if you ever... There's a really weird picture. If you ever see... What their abdomens actually look like. <gasps> oh, it's, weird. It's super weird, but it's it fits kinda, inside a mollusk shell. It's kind of like a seahorse tail, but... Yeah, so most species have spir spirally curved abdomens, which are soft, unlike the hard calcified abdomens seen in related crustaceans. Mm -hmm. In the front of hermit crabs are pretty hard and calcified as well. Most frequently, hermit crabs use shells of sea snails, but not all, obviously. The tip of the hermit crab's abdomen is adapted to clasp strongly into the clamella of a snail shell. Uh, most hermit crabs are nocturnal. We actually mm. saw a really cool hermit crab. I got a nice picture we'll post online. Oh, yeah. When we were in Puerto Rico earlier this They're year. really cool. Did you ever have any of the other? I did, and they, sadly, I could not keep them alive. And... They're really hard to keep because I would have an aquarium in my bedroom and then as soon as I fell asleep, you could hear just like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was more of a like living room kind of pet. Yeah. 
But yeah, I guess I had a couple. Get cool shells for them. Yeah, they're fun little, low, um, low maintenance animals. Yeah, low maintenance. They don't stink too bad. They clean their yeah, cages keep the out. cage clean. Really cute. The one we saw on vacation was really a mover too. Like we saw he was him. Big. He was really big, and then we saw him in the morning, and he was down right by the water, and then we saw him in the afternoon, and he was like up by the house almost. Yeah. Hey, Jared. Yeah. What's your favorite quote? It's your favorite quote. What you think about that? It's, it's your favorite, favorite quote. So here's my favorite quote. You orchestrated this entire party just so you could weasel your way into staying here. Even going to notice. Hey Jeff, don't kill the messenger, but you have four hermit crabs in your bathroom sink. Uh, I just, I think maybe because I love all of their interactions this episode, <laughs> this is kind of the peak of it, and just shows how much I love these two characters, and especially when they're interacting, which they interact a lot, so it's really fun to watch, and. How Chang just thinks he's going to straight up move in with Jeff and contrives a whole party to do it. <laughs> I think it's fun because we normally see Jeff and Chang interactions along with the whole study group. So yeah, it's this... kind of a little bit of a different dynamic because Jeff is in front of the group. So I think he is going to act a little bit differently. And I guess Chang probably would too. But the fact that they both now are kind of separately interacting, I think we're really getting the... The Chang versus Jeff, the the real deal. Ashley, what's your favorite quote? I really liked when. Just sit down, Chang. There's space for three fannies on this sofa. Hey, in England, fanny means vagina, right? In England, everything means vagina. Uh, so this is the second time that I immediately questioned something going on <laughs> on the screen that was immediately, immediately answered. Yeah, and um, so. I, th- I mean, I don't know. I think a lot of people know Fanny means... Vagina. This is also one of, just one of my favorite jokes. <laughs> That's hilarious. And then, yeah. Nope, apparently just everything. And God, John Oliver's hilarious. We we just did a serious binge of yeah. this show. Check that out on HBO if you haven't been keeping up with it. It's He's fantastic. It's Just his attacks against AT&T <laughs> business daddy alone are... <laughs> Probably worth it. Which, actually, there was a... Oh, that was another thing that I... In the last episode, not this one, but now that we're talking about John Oliver and his show, I found a way to bring it in. Um, Somebody calls Britta, like, the AT&T of people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so, after just watching the, the a bunch of the most recent John yeah. Oliver, um, he rips on AT&T all the time, so that was particularly hilarious, and... So that I'd weasel that one in there when it actually was semi-relevant to the conversation. Hey, Jared, do you have any questions? Yeah. Who the hell is Nicholas Nickleby? I don't know. I don't know either. Do we have to look it up? I mean, I suppose we should at this point. Okay, I get the joke now. (laughs) Nicholas Nickleby, or The Life Adventures of Nicholas Nickleby, is a novel by Charles Dickens, originally published as a serial form... Our cereal from 1838 to 1839. It was Dickens' third novel. The story centers on the life and adventures of Nicholas Nickleby, a young man who must support his mother and sister after his father dies. Uh, <laughs> honestly, 
I get it. It's she's a librarian. That's the joke. Yeah. I could give a shit less about anything. Fucking Dickens. Yeah. I don't swear that much. So that's how much I dislike Dickens. <laughs> hey, Ash, did you have any questions? Did you notice how Jeff's apartment? Did he? Do we have some background that maybe he recently moved and I missed that part? Because it's really super bare and then there's like a stack of what should be wall art, but it's just on the floor in a pile. What I assume is that Jeff never fully moves into an apartment because he's that type of dude. Oh. Also, we found out that he was going to start consulting at the law office and probably making some pretty good money. Oh, yeah. So he can afford a big TV and to have Chang move in and his Benz. Does he drive a Benz? Uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's my assumption, but it doesn't really get explained ever now. Awesome. I'm glad I asked then because I, I've been... You, you brought that all together for me. So, I think this episode is um, is maybe just one of the super shining examples of why I love this show. It is just straight up middle of the season, of season two. Maybe the best season. We can debate about that for hours. Mm-hmm. But just the show is at its peak Nothing crazy happens. We see storyline-wise that Pierce is getting addicted to pills at this point. Uh, but like nothing crazy happens. Nothing, no big plot points other than Jeff realizes his love for the group. And it's still super funny. Nobody considers this a clunker or, you know, well, this isn't one of my favorites. I would never say that about this episode. Even though I'm not going to list it as like my top three from season two or anything, but... This is just such a solid episode. So many of the jokes are just freaking great. Uh, And I think... I mean, I can fillet Dan Harmon as much as I want (laughs) for being such an amazing showrunner. But one of my favorite jokes is when at the end, uh, towards the end, when Annie is kind of consoling Britta, uh, somebody yells, Kiss! And so Annie just kind of goes for it and Britta has to stop her. And I was like, well, that's that's such a funny joke. And then we find out in the commentary that was all Alison Brie and like an improvised thing. And like that just shows you what each person is bringing, what each cast member is bringing to these characters. And that's I, I feel like especially at this time of this show... They had magic in a bottle. They had something really special, really unique, and probably something that hadn't been seen before. And I think they they all have mentioned it, whether it's in, I can't remember if it's in some of the podcasts Joel and Ken are doing right now, or like some of the director's commentary. They really all truly felt like they were like getting away with something. Like, how can we be going and doing this awesome thing on a network TV show? Right. We're all having so much fun. This is so funny and so like front, not direct, like not directly mainstream. Humor. Front stinger. Yeah. On a <laughs> network, like what? <laughs> like they they truly all would go to work every day and just feel like they were getting away with something. Like they were like pulling the wool over somebody's eyes, 
And then they just keep calling them back to do seasons. The look on her face, like the subtlety of when when Annie like draws away and just kind of like looks to the side a little bit like, oh, whatever. And, and like being something that was like, I also, yeah. something that's like pretty much like ad-libbed. Yeah. And then it's got like, good, like just Britta's reaction, like Annie. <laughs> it's so genuine yeah. that like they... As the, like as these characters are being written, I think they're writing a bit of themselves or just knowing their think, abilities and playing off each other is fantastic. And I've probably brought this up before, but I think most success, successful sitcoms that I watch are like amped up versions of themselves. The characters are amped up versions yes. of themselves, right? Yes. Like Zach Braff is pretty goofy in in real life, and so it turns into his character in Scrubs. Ron Swanson is really a woodworker and kind of the manliest man of any man ever. <laughs> um, you know, like, listening to the Office Ladies podcast, I hear Jenna Fisher just be this bubbly, super nice human being that it's like, oh yeah, I get why we all fell in love with Pam Beasley. Yep. Because, because Jenna Fisher is basically Pam Beasley. Maybe a little more enlightened, I don't know. So I I think this show, how did I just? No, I didn't do all NBC shows. Great, <laughs> but I just I think that this show is really a good example of that. You know, right? Like, yeah, and and that's one of those. You never know when they start out with the the person who's playing that role in mind. For sure. Or in this case, I think it was kind of the opposite that as. As the storyline grew, as after season one, because there's so many shows right. that are just like, we don't know where the hell this is gonna go. Let's just, let's just get through season one, and then who knows? And then once they really see how the characters are really turning these, or the actors are turning these characters into real, they see people, the actors like strengths they, too. Like yeah, they, obviously we're not gonna focus on Donald Glover being a jock because he doesn't have that big dick energy that. No. You know, like, but I mean, like he he obviously could, but the fact that they play him off as this like, just yeah, just this he's kind of a nerdy dude yeah. and just who just loves his buddy and yeah. that's that's awesome. He's got lines in his hip hop about blurds and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so yeah. So I, and I think that a lot of the writers who do come on the director's commentary talk about that and mm-hmm. like even. Even the the hat that Paige was wearing, oh, like, yeah. that was one of the actual writer's hats. Like right. they had to go to the writers and be like, "Hey, let let's borrow that hat." And, yeah, and then just funny. everybody in directors were just like, "Man, that hat! It's so awesome!" Like for for this particular character, like this is amazing. So I like the last couple episodes. I've been enjoying the subtlety of the storyline parallels, and this one again, having like Britta and Paige be not like um an accidental and then mismatched same sex couple going to the dance Troy and Abed go as a thruple and then intend to have their you know single date sure and then at the end it's just them hugging and just realizing like man you know what we're best friends and this chick didn't work out but like we're like they basically just enjoy each other's company more than anything else and i thought that was adorable also in a non-romantic love way Chang and Jeff yeah. kind of hook up in the end right like absolutely Jeff carries him in as a little child oh, yeah. and now he's going to yep. start like 
basically fostering Chang. Also, Pearson, Andy oh, Dick are yeah. in a relationship with each other. I mean, that's like straight up spelled out. Like, yeah. Deep. So Britta was the most obvious, like trying way too hard to not to not. She's not a lesbian. She's trying too hard, and then we, everybody else. Yeah, I love it. If you like what we're doing, you enjoy listening to us at all. It helps us quite a bit if you could go rate, review, subscribe, do any or all of those things on your preferred podcast platform. Uh, it really helps us out. It really helps us, you know, share our community with other people. And it also helps us to follow us on our social media things, such as our Instagram. Um, we're getting really close to 100 followers, which I'm pretty excited about. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at Drinking in Community. Our Twitter is DIC Podcast. You can go to our um, Facebook page, which we post a bunch of stuff on as well. That is facebook.com slash drinking community. Um, you can just go on over and send us an email at DICPOD at gmail.com. Or if you go to our website, dicpodcast.com there is not only links to all of those social media uh, platforms but also a nice little message um, fill in the form kind of thing so you don't have to actually send us an email you can send us some questions comments concerns um, and then there's also a reddit thread at our backslash community so we would appreciate you can either follow or shoot us a message like some stuff or just tell us how you how you like our posts and whatnot on those things. Come communities. Like come posters? That's not. <laughs> I can do whatever I want. Don't limit me. Green Delarians. Okay. My <laughs> communists? No. Human, Human beings. beings. Thank you, guys. Catch you next time. Au revoir. Goodbye. See you later. Bon appetit. What? Oh. Hey guys, we have fun and imbibe during our recording sessions, but addiction is a problem that many face on a day-to-day basis. Please take time to have a real conversation with yourself about your substance use. We've both lost friends and loved ones to addiction and don't want you on the list. Take care of yourself and your community.